you're about to hear a true story of someone who has taken life's lemons and made lemonade. I am Heidi, your host, and thank you for joining me. Tracy, welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand. I am just honored to be able to talk to you and get to know you better today. So start out by telling me just a couple of little things about yourself. Thank you for having me on your podcast, Heidi. Uh, me and Chancy. Chancy's in the background. Those of you who can't see her. <laughs> She's a German Shepherd, Belgian Malinois rescue. Um, we, well, I live in Anchorage, Alaska, moved here from Orlando, Florida, believe it or not, 25 years ago. I'm a East Coast girl, originally from Western New York. Yeah, I love living in Anchorage, Alaska. We live in a little log home in the woods. We have uh, uh, bear and moose and currently we have a pack of coyotes. <laughs> oh my goodness. No, thank you. <laughs> It would be cool to see from inside the house, but yeah, <laughs> don't go outside. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Well, that's fun. I'm excited to talk to you and hear your lemon to lemonade story. I want to hear why you do what you do. So take me back. Tell me okay. what's happening. Well, I was a very uncomfortable gal in my own skin from an early age. And it wasn't because I didn't have a wonderful family. I did. I, I grew up with parents that are still married almost 60 years and, and a horse and a popular swim team captain. And yet I always felt uncomfortable in my own skin. And when I was 18 years old, I got out of that little town. I couldn't wait to get away from there. And uh, I got on with an airline and Everywhere I went, I would sort of recreate myself and I would find people that drank like I did. And then something would happen. I would start disliking where I was. I would start talking bad about people. They would confront me. I'm not a fighter. So I would pack up and move. And um, I had moved about 30 times from the time I was 18 to the time I landed in Anchorage, Alaska at 30 years old, and I was exhausted. Uh, I was always trying to control my surroundings and control what people, what I thought or perceived people thought of me. Uh, I was training for a marathon. I was starving myself and drinking a lot. I was married to uh, a wonderful guy, my first husband, and I sort of pissed that away by drinking and crashed and burned, um, literally, with uh, the alcohol and found sobriety. I was 31 years old and newly divorced. Uh, I had a one-bedroom apartment <laughs> with visitation rights to the two dogs that we had, and it was the beginning of a life that is beyond my wildest dreams. I'm 23 years sober now, and by the grace of God, it's, it's a miracle. It's led me on this path of spiritual enlightenment and um, allowed me to become an entrepreneur. I started my first business, I was 32. 
And it was a mobile dog grooming business, believe it or not. I was in corporate America making a lot of money and uh, I wanted to work with animals and went to a career counselor that uh, gave me a lot of really good insight. Like I'm dyslexic, which I never knew. I just thought I was always dumb. And um, at 32 years old, he said, yeah, you're probably dyslexic and very smart. And you probably could do amazing things if you surround yourself with people, find those people that have that skill set and surround yourself with them. And you will go in any direction you want to go. And so I came back to Anchorage, who was in Seattle. His name is David Goodenough, career counselor named David Goodenough, right? <laughs> and uh, came back to Anchorage and took his advice. I had five mentors that were business owners that I leaned into and a career advisor that helped me do my first business plan. And it was really, uh, besides sobriety, one of the most difficult things I think I'd ever done was to stay focused on creating a detailed plan. And that business took off and those people in corporate America that made fun of me for leaving, they became clients. And that springboarded my whole journey as a businesswoman. And that led into, I got married to a wonderful man who we're still married. Uh, it's, we're coming up on 17 years. And I sold that first business and got into real estate. And then real estate, social media was just coming around. And uh, I knew real estate wasn't it for me. I, I could sell and I could do really well as I had done uh, in, in corporate America, but I, I was sort of leading with my head when I got into real estate and I learned from that to tap into my heart and to lead with my heart and then allow my head to create the plan, right? So lead with your heart. And then that led into a social media business that I created and had a team and helped other businesses, a lot of realtors, uh, with their social media. And that led into, that was a creation of my business called Alaska Tracy. And then I started doing women's retreats and women's vision mapping workshops and, and um, became a certified uh, executive life coach. And here we are today. Wow, I love this. Who would have thought that you would be here today? I love this. What a journey. Yeah. But I wanted to, so you said the drinking was mostly caused by kind of like a, maybe like a low self-esteem or something, something that you just didn't like yourself. And so you were just trying to numb yourself. Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, there's all different theories on alcoholism. They say it's a disease. Um, some say it's hereditary, uh, it's, you know, it is in my family and it's, yeah, and it's something that each person has to identify themselves. Like, I can't say he's an alcoholic or she, like, each person has to come to that term. And why and, did you decide to stop doing it then? Well, because I was just a wreck. I was a, a wrecking ball, really. I mean, I remember this uh, one 
boyfriend that I had right after marriage um, saying, I've never met somebody <laughs> that can go run 10 miles and drink a beer and smoke cigarettes. Like, who does that? And I was like, well, if I run that fast and far, I only have to drink one beer to get loaded. <laughs> he did when he was just like, like, who does that? Um, and then things would happen when I drank, like blackouts or um, a lot of depression, not wanting to wake up every day, hating who I had become, and not knowing how to get off that roller coaster. Uh, I was a therapist that suggested I might be an alcoholic, and I was shocked. I have a good job. I have, she's like, yeah, but you come in here week after week telling me these horrific stories of why you did what you did and, and that you can't stop drinking. And I think a lot of people think alcoholics um, are, uh, have alcohol by their bedside or um, what it looked like for me was drinking wine in the evening. And I, I wouldn't even really know it, but I would pass out. But I didn't know that till I got sober. I'd be like, oh, I thought that was just napping or <laughs> sleeping a lot or not remembering things. Um, so what I've learned is it doesn't matter how much somebody consumes. It's what happens when they consume it. And for alcoholics, it triggers this uh, sort of insanity in our brains and wanting more, wanting to have more, whether it's tomorrow or, you know, and waking up, like, I don't know if you've ever given up chocolate or sweets, right? And every day it's like, oh, today is going to be the day. And then about noon, you kind of justify it, right? Well, that's the same thing with alcohol. About noon, something happens and maybe this time it won't be that bad. Um, but for an alcoholic, it triggers a lot of depression and a lot of insanity. Yeah. It sounds really hard to get out of. Did you have to have some help? Um, I do a recovery program, a 12 step okay. program, and I still do. And, uh, people say you still go 20, almost 24 years later. And I say, I go, I'm not worried about drinking anymore. I'm worried about thinking. <laughs> because left untreated, I start thinking and I start thinking kind of crazy things and a lot of self-centered things, a lot of ego-driven things. And um, so I go to help others, to help other women and to get out of myself and it's one of those things, it's like this sort of underground, um, uh, alcoholics tend to have big egos and low self-esteem. It's the weirdest thing. So it's one of these, uh, I've learned to do it and not promote it. Like I don't promote it on my resume. I don't share it on social media. I, once a year for my anniversary, I share in a really general way to help others in a way that's really open. Um, my goal, my intention of doing that is to help others. And I often get emails from other people 
So yeah, that is critical. I think, you know, it's that me too connection that you can have with someone and you can look at someone and, and be like, okay, they did it. I can do this. And so I love that you go back to encourage people. I think that's a beautiful gift that you are giving to other people to just hang in there and keep going and that there is a way out and that there is better way to make to live and to make different choices. So that's hard. That's hard. It's admirable that you were able to quit. So thank you for sharing that with me. I appreciate that. Thank you. It's the women that have gone before me that, you know, it's like a, um, it's like a link in a, in a fence and we're all linked, you know, and there's, there's nobody's above each other. They just, some of them might have a little more time. So a little more practice. And so we're all just linked and the stronger the link, the less, the the stronger the link, the more connection to God. And each day I get to be sober based on my connection to God and you know, however, whatever God is for, you know, each person, but something outside of ourselves that we can lean into and trust and create a relationship with. So part of your lemonade is obviously, you know, going back and talking to people, um, getting sober as well. And then you do coaching. Yes. So tell me about that. Tell me about your lemonade now. So the, the coaching came from, uh, I had a group of women in a membership program and it was really a lot of consulting and mentoring. And a couple of them kept saying, you should call yourself a coach while I feel like sometimes everybody and their brother calls himself a coach. And so I did the research and I went to a certification coaching program. It was about six months and got certified as a coach. It's different language than consulting. Consulting is my vision mapping framework, which is leading people on a trajectory to create a really intentional written plan. And that's consulting, that's guiding them through this framework. Coaching is about asking questions to get you to tap into your inner self and answer your own questions and be empowered by what's inside of you. So coaching is listening and asking questions to help people move forward. Yeah, it's different from a therapist, but very similar to get you to tap into what's really going on inside your head and get you to focus on what you really want in life. Yes, or therapy is going into the deep past issues. (laughs) Yeah. You know, which I coach a lot of therapists and uh, psychiatrists. and, And it's really interesting because. I can refer people to them, you know, and they can refer people to me. Like we get it. We get the difference. Yeah. So what are maybe some of, um, what are some of your tools or tips or advice? Yeah, I I do um, workshops, uh, vision mapping workshops, and I've recently started doing them with couples as well. A couple reached out to me and they are five years away from retirement. So they started their vision mapping process to get going on what retirement's gonna look like. Um, And then I do quarterly workshops with women. So uh, they can find me on alaskatracy.com 
as well as one-on-one coaching and group coaching. I've got a vision mapping book that I self-published, which it's on Amazon. It's a vision journal by Alaska Tracy. And that's sort of a, a guided, if you want to do your own um, self-guided vision map. What is a vision map? A vision map is an intentional, detailed, written plan to get results. So it's realistic results and it's mapped out, written. There's no photos pasted on the wall. It's, um, and, and the success rate has been new businesses, sold businesses, moving, marriages, um, all sorts of transformations I've witnessed from people that have taken the vision map. So that's the difference in the vision board, where a vision board would be more like, like you said, photos or something and things you want to work towards. And a vision map is a written, like directions, like a map. Directions, okay. very detailed. And, you know, I'm when I'm doing, when I'm guiding people through it, if they're like, I want to make 10000 a month. And I'm, I'll say, well, how much are you bringing in now? Well, I remember this one client. Well, not even a thousand. So I'm the devil's advocate. I'm like, is that really realistic? (laughs) Like, let's break it down to realistic goals in the next 90 days and then create the steps that you're going to need to take to get there. And they often start creating them and going, oh, that's not really what I want to do. I'm not going to take all those steps. So they can see it. And then they can pivot according to really what's inside. Yeah. What's here in your heart, not in your head. Yes. Where you think the 10,000 a month is what you want. But once you're finally able to get real about it and go, what the, what is it that I want to feel when I'm making 10,000 a month? Or what is it that I want to be experiencing making 10,000 a month? And maybe it's not necessarily the money. Maybe it's something else you can be doing instead. And what can that, whatever it is, that goal do for others? Yes, that so is the adding key. that intentional piece. Yeah, it's really, yeah, it's so rewarding to watch people's lives change. Yeah, it sounds like what I do with my vision board, I write 10 reasons, like why it would be helpful, why it would help others, why it would help me or yeah. my relationships or something. I try to write 10 reasons of why accomplishing that that vision or that goal of why it would help 10, 10 people basically. So it's been a really good pivot again of why you're doing what you're doing. It really helps you get real about it and what your motivation is. And it helps to know that you're doing it for yourself and to help other relationships or to help your family or to help the community, whatever it is, but it helps with motivation. Right. Cause I think, well, I know you can get there without all that I did in real estate. Yeah. And then I was going, I'm making all this money and I'm miserable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, where was that peace, that peace from the heart? <laughs> yes. Of what truly matters to you. Yes. It's a good life. One day at a time. It, absolutely. Yes. One hour at a time sometimes, but yes. One minute at a time. <laughs> One minute at a time. Yes. I agree. Less scrolling on social media and more hanging out with people that are successful or that you think are successful 
um, that have what you want, tapping into positivity will help you to create a life that is filled up with goodness and richness and my social media i actually don't follow like a lot of rich and famous people you know it's just really for my friends and family and so for me social media is is a very positive experience to know what my friends and family are doing but i can see how you know when i do see ads or do see posts you know of more rich and famous people how that can really bring you down it can make you just feel like you're so much less or that you're lacking or that you're not as important or whatever these crazy thoughts could come from seeing somebody else living their life that you think you want. Right. That's why that we really got to be careful. So I see the warning on social media, but I think a lot of it is we're seeing these people's best and we think it came easy and automatic and they just woke up that way. And so we have to be careful our thoughts behind what we see on social media and make sure we're keeping it real. So I'm glad you kind of warned that. Most people have a lemonade story. They absolutely do. Everybody has one. Or they're living in it. And you don't even know it because they're putting this face out there. Yes. I did for years. Yes. Well, I'm glad you're teaching that now. So thank you for that. That's amazing. And you're such a gift. And I appreciate you sharing with me some of your experience of why you're doing what you're doing and just keep it up. I think it's awesome. So thank you. Thank you, Heidi. Thanks so much. You're still here? Well, then enjoy this little outtake from that interview. Yeah, Alaska Tracy. Yeah. Google me. Yeah. T-R-A-C-Y. Um, I'm all over the place on social media That's or awesome. alaskatracy.com. And something good and positive to follow. That I love that. <laughs> Yes, Yes, I do a lot. And I share a lot of Alaska photos and adventures, which, yeah, there's a lot of critters on my social media. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. See, again, more uplifting things to fill your feed with. So I love that. (laughs) And that's part of my lifestyle is moving my body. Yeah. That helps with the positivity. How do you live there? And I said, well, I have ice bugs. And I put them on my feet and they're usually on from October to April. (laughs) And then what is an ice bug? I don't even know what that is. They're cleats built into shoes. Oh. And it's a company, Ice Bugs. And they sell all different kinds of boots and shoes. And they're super expensive and they're the best thing ever. I mean, I live in them for months out of the year. You sound like me. I, my husband teases that I'm like a dog that needs to go for a walk every day. I don't have a dog, but he's like, I need to walk you. <laughs> you know? So you do. We need to just go outside, walk around really quick just yeah. for a minute. And so I love that you found a way to still do that in a cold and snowy place that makes it comfortable and safe for you. Right. So that's awesome. With the big dog. <laughs> yeah, you've got the big dog. He's going to take you out. <laughs> Whether you want to go out or not, you have to go out with him. I know, fishing game, when I called and told them about the coyotes, they said, they're probably not going to bother you and a German shepherd. Don't, you know, they're looking yeah. for easy prey. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. Then. Keep the dog by you all the time. <laughs> that's awesome. And I'm just so proud of you. Proud oh, of where you've come. So. 
thank you for your story and staying sober and the influence you're having. It's just admirable. And I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I have enjoyed spending this time with you. You might have a friend struggling with the same thing that we talked about in this episode that might enjoy listening to this too. So please share this episode because no one is alone at the lemonade stand.